Tuesday. Well, have you been blessed? Have you been revived? Praise God, praise God. Um, Never heard of a six or seven hour uh, testimonial session ever, ever, ever in my life. Amen. Praise God. Um, Our final message uh, for this meeting, for this advance, um, is one that I believe is, uh, is crucial. I want to talk to you about, um, about the economic crisis. The economic crisis. I want you to pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time just pleading, Lord, that your spirit would speak to our hearts. We are living in incredible times. Remind us, Lord, that we are indeed your army. Call to do a work in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The economic crisis... A few um, months ago, our unemployment rate in the United States of America was estimated at 16%, which was basically one out of every six U.S. workers unemployed. Twenty-six point four million people out of work. What is a healthy economy? One where the unemployment rate is very low. In in looking at this um, this issue, there are some some factors that help us to understand better this economic crisis that we are in. Here are some factors we should consider. There's a strong correlation between the level of education and the strength of that economy. That means the higher one's level of education, the less likely they are to be what? Unemployed. Why is the unemployment rate so high in America? There are many things we need to consider. Number one, uh, a growing population. The more people in a nation, the more jobs need to be created to accommodate them. Jobs do not normally increase with an increase of population. Therefore, the ratio of unemployment naturally rises. Number two, fierce competition from outside firms causing American companies to have to close down. Number three, technological unemployment. Computers and machines are taking the place of people. There is our seasonal unemployment. Seasonal products and seasonal businesses, people who can only work at certain times of the year, and therefore, the rest of the year, they they can't find work. They're laid off. There's outsourcing uh, uh, jobs to other countries where the wages are lower. Or there's the, the issue of multitasking, where people are now being hired to do more jobs than one. And there's always the issue of welfare. You know, just kind of a collect a check uh, mentality without wanting to go and work. You know, kind of receiving the, the benefits but not wanting to work. As a result of the financial condition, the government has tried to jumpstart the economy with a, with a multi-billion dollar stimulus plan a bailout to help companies in debt settle that debt. And of course, perhaps at this time, you're 
wondering, Pastor, this is Army Bible Camp. Why are we talking about the economic crisis? Um, You see, beloved, there is another economic crisis that I really want to speak to you about today. It's an economic crisis which the church of God has to deal with. I want to talk to you today about the gospel economic crisis. Pastor, what do you mean? I'd like for you to go with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1. When you get there, please say amen. The Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. (laughs) Is somebody thinking? Beloved, God's church is an economy. God calls his people to go out and be what? Laborers for him. What is the job? Matthew 28, 19. Go ye into all the world. You remember Jesus said that he was about his father's business. But there is a crisis in the community of God. What is the crisis? Matthew 9, verse 37. Notice the crisis. Matthew 9, verse 37. The Bible tells us here, The harvest truly is plenteous, But the unemployment rate is high. The laborers, those that I have called to be about my father's business, the workforce is severely limited. Acts of the Apostles, page 507. What the church needs in these days of peril is an army of workers. (laughs) An army an army of workers who, like Paul, have educated themselves for usefulness. Councils to Churches, page 69. The greatest help that can be given our people is to teach them to work for God and to depend upon Him, not on the ministers. Let them learn to work as Christ worked. Let them join His army of workers. And do faithful service for him. Beloved, the economic crisis that I'm speaking about is not the worldly economic crisis. It is the spiritual economic crisis in God's church. The unemployment rate is through the roof. What makes a healthy society? One where the unemployment rate is low. You know the quote, with such an army of workers as our youth, rightly trained, might furnish. How soon the message of a crucified, risen, and soon coming Savior might be carried to the whole world. God is looking 
for an army of workers. And if you think one out of every six is a bad ratio in the world, (laughs) consider what it is in the church. When every member of the church realizes their personal responsibility as part of the workforce of the gospel, the church will become a healthy economy. Christ represents himself as the head of the church and as representatives, his followers as members of his body. Let every individual, thank you, let every individual, let every individual member of the church surrender self and all that he has and work for the conversion of souls. What are we to be working for? The conversion of souls. The church of God in heaven with effective agencies cooperating with the church of God on earth and heavenly intelligences uniting their sympathy, their wisdom and power with those who make advanced movements in building up the kingdom of God on earth. No Christian is guiltless before God who is unemployed. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> No Christian is guiltless before God who is unemployed. Source, the Missionary Magazine, December 1, 1894. Let me read on. God calls on the church to set into operation every agency and cooperate with the angels of God in urging into activity the abilities and talents which God has entrusted to his people. God requires that his agents may put forth practical, personal effort in doing whatever he calls upon them to do so that the truth may be set before human minds. Do you have a job? Don't raise your hand. Are you working? Are you part of the unemployment problem in God's church? The Bible tells us, study to show thyself approved. A what? A what? A what? A workman. A worker, someone who is employed. We study not just to study, we study because we're supposed to be workers for God. Amen? Amen. The question arises, what are the reasons for such high unemployment rates in the church? Can it be because of a growing population? Can the church membership ever outgrow the gospel work? Never. Beloved, there is plenty of work. We have a whole world to warn. So we cannot say, well, I can't find anything to do. We can't say, you know, Lord, I'm kind of looking for a job, but, you know, times are hard. (laughs) As long as there are souls to save, there is work for you to do. What about fierce competition from firms outside the church? (laughs) Oh yes, the devil has his agencies designed to draw your attention. The devil's, hey man, come work for me. I can pay you better. I can really use your talents. Come sing for me. Come on, come on. Yes, beloved, there are companies of angels competing against the church of God. But the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Amen? Amen. What about technological unemployment? Can we, 
Well, Lord, there's nothing for me to do. 3 ABN. <laughs> you know, uh, you just turn on, you know, go to the internet. The gospel's all there. There's nothing for me to do. Technology's taking care of the advancement of the gospel. God says, no, that's not a reason for you not to be working. Praise God for 3ABN. Praise God for whole channel. Praise God for all the technology that we have. But God still calls you to personal responsibility. Seasonal unemployment. Do you know what the Bible says? Be instant. <laughs> No, 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 you can't take, well, you know, I'm, I, 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 these are my months off, Lord. God says be instant, in season, out season. There's never a time that God says, I don't have work for you. Here's a big one. Multitasking. Well, you know, Lord, I would work, but my pastor, man, he just, he's just doing everything. Or we depend on him to do everything. Isn't it amazing how we're depending upon less and less people to do more and more of the gospel work? Why is God's church suffering an economic crisis? Because we're depending on less people to do more tasks. And then there is the really big problem of welfare. I want the benefits of Christianity, but I don't want to work. <laughs> A welfare mentality that says, Lord, just give me eternal life. But don't make me have to get up and go out there. <laughs> God's church is in a serious problem. But praise God, God has a stimulus plan. It's a bailout plan. <laughs> yeah. You see, beloved, there are millions of souls drowning in the personal debt of sin. Looking for relief. Praise God that he has a stimulus package. God's economy needs a revival. Amen? Amen? Can you begin to think what that stimulus package might be? God says, I will pour out my spirit. See, beloved, we need a living army of workers. God must get us to work. We must experience revival. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Acts chapter 2. You remember the story. <clears throat> what we want is Acts chapter 2. Amen? Amen. Acts 2 verse 1, the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven <clears throat> as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Rushing mighty wind. 
You look at the definition of this, this word, it, it says, actually says breath. Breath. The word wind. Breath. Just imagine that. God's breath, as it were. What does that remind you of? It reminds you of creation. <clears throat> when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he what? Came to life. What we need is a revival. But the question we have is, Pastor, we know that. We know we're in an economic crisis. We know that we don't have an army of workers. What is the solution? We want to be revived. What is the solution? And I want to suggest to you, beloved, that the solution, God's stimulus plan, we can discover it through a very important portion of Scripture. I want to invite you to go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. Ezekiel, chapter 37. <clears throat> Beginning with verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. The Bible says the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about and behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. What are dry bones? Dead bones. When the Bible says dry, dry bones, literally, what is that? Bone without what? Life. Without life. Bone without marrow. You know what's in the marrow? It's blood. Dry bones. Beloved, for our purpose of revival, it is crucial for us to understand how did the bones get this way? You ever ask yourself that question? How did these bones get this way? And the answer may surprise you. Psalm 51, verse 8. Notice with me Psalm 51 and verse 8. And hold your place there in Ezekiel 37. <coughs> Excuse me. Psalm 51. <coughs> Water, yes. Psalm 51 and verse 8, the Bible says, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast, what? Broken. May rejoice. What? The bones that who has broken? God, God, why would God want to break us? Here's something interesting. Go with me again to the book of Proverbs, chapter 17. Proverbs, chapter 17. Proverbs 17 and verse 22. A merry heart doeth good, like a what? Medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. A broken what? Spirit. So if, if dry bones are the result of a broken spirit, and if God is the one that is breaking our bones, then could it be that God is trying to bring about a broken spirit within us? Could it be that revival is dependent 
upon the type of spirit that you have. Notice with me again, Proverbs 15 and verse 13. Proverbs 15 and verse 13, the Bible tells us here, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. By sorrow of the heart is the spirit broken. Could it be that this valley of dry bones that we are picturing is a valley of sorry, repentant, broken people? You see, beloved, we have the tendency when we read this passage to think of the valley of dry bones as wicked old people. Question, why would God raise wicked people and breathe upon them his spirit? You heard people say, well, you're just a bunch of dry bones. In a certain context, okay, maybe, but think about it. Why is God reviving these dry bones? Could it be that in order for true revival to take place, there must first be true brokenness? Example, go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. (coughs) And notice with me, beginning with verse 26. Matthew 26, verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it. This is my body. (coughs) Excuse me. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You jump down to verse 31. Then says Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men should offend thee because of thee, yet will I never offend thee. Look at me, Lord, I am strong. Look at me, Lord. I am capable. I am able. I will stand by your side. I got it all under control. Little did Peter realize that he was about to be broken. You remember the disciples followed right after uh, Jesus said, or Peter said unto Verse 33, Peter answered and said unto them, Though all men shall offend thee because of thee, yet will I never betray thee. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, This night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said, Though I should be, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Can you imagine that? Jesus said, You're going to deny me. Peter says, No, I'm not. I mean, can you imagine challenging Jesus like that? What? What'd you say? As though Peter was right and Jesus was wrong. Could it be, could it be that in order for the disciples to get to the place where, they, the, where God could begin to work with them, could it be that they needed to experience true, genuine brokenness? Matthew 26, verse 55. Matthew 26, verse 55. In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are you come out as a thief, against a thief with swords and staffs for to take me? I sat with you daily in the temple teaching, and you laid not hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures might be fulfilled. 
the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Question, how do you think the disciples must have felt as they were fleeing from Jesus? Has anyone ever felt broken before? Think about how the disciples must have felt as they were fleeing from the one whom they had just earlier said, we're going to die with you. Jump down with me to verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out in the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them what, that, that were there, that this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they, uh, they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely also thou art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and was broken. Hmm? He went out and wept bitterly. Peter had to be broken. The disciples had to be utterly broken. Sorrow, dried up. You know what it feels like to be a dried up bone? Lord, there's no good thing within me. My failures, my inadequacies. You see, beloved, what God is trying to show us in this stimulus package, this stimulus plan, is that true revival depends upon us realizing our Laodicean condition. You're rich. You think you're rich. Increased with goods. Have need of nothing. But I'm telling you, you must be broken if you want revival. You must feel that sorrow that says, Lord, I have been unemployed almost all my spiritual life. You've called me to work, and I have denied you time and time again. I know not the man. I know not the man. You have the opportunity to witness, and instead of witnessing, you're saying, I know not the man. The problem is that most of us are not running away and weeping, going, what did I just do? I had the opportunity to witness for Christ, and instead of doing that, we're just like, I know not the man. Cocks crowing all over the place. How many times have you heard the cock crow? How many times has God given you the opportunity to work on his behalf and instead of speaking, I know not the man. Ezekiel 37.3, Ezekiel 37.3, I want to suggest to you, beloved, that the bones of this valley represent not the dead as in I don't care about God, but it represents those who are so broken by their failings and their failures. That's why they are the ones that are revived. Notice what the Bible says, Ezekiel 37, verse 3. Ezekiel 37, verse 3. I love this question. Ezekiel 37, verse 3. He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Can these bones be revived? 
Can God forgive me after such a failure? Can you imagine what Peter must have been thinking? Lord, can I live again? Look at what I've done to you. Look at how I rejected you. Is there any way that you can forgive me? Lord, can this dry bone actually come to life again? What have you done in your life? What mistakes have you made? Where you're crying out, God, is it even possible that you can bring life to me again. Lord, you know I was on a track to become a minister and I walked away from it and did something else. Lord, what, what, uh, can you forgive that? Can God forgive me after such a shameful denial of Christ? Hmm. Please go again with me to Psalm 51, verse 17. Psalm 51, verse 17. Beloved, God's stimulus plan, it reveals a God who loves us. Psalm 51, verse 17. I like this. The Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Go again with me. Psalm 147, verse 3. Psalm 147, verse 3. Listen to what the Bible says here. Psalm 147, verse 3. The Bible tells us, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Do you want to know why these, these dry bones are brought back to life in the way that they are? Because they were broken in spirit. Go again with me quickly. Psalm 34, verse 18. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Bible says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Go again with me. There's so many promises, beloved. Go again with me to Isaiah 61, verse 1. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Bible tells us here, Isaiah 61 and verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the who brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the prison of them that are bound. Amen. And I like this one, Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 2. Oh boy. Hosea 6, verse 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, Come and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sights. Do you know what happened to these dry bones in the valley? Go back with me to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, verse 4. Ezekiel 37, verse 4. Again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Let me tell you something very quickly. Do you know why it is possible for a minister to preach the word of God and you can sit there and sit there and you just not hear? Beloved, let me tell you something. When you are broken in spirit, suddenly the word of God is loud and clear. When you're satisfied, when you're like, yeah, I got it. When you're cool with, oh, yeah, word, (laughs) in one ear, out the other. But suddenly when some crisis hits, suddenly when something comes, when you come face to face with something that breaks you, and beloved, that's why God will allow, often allow circumstances to come into your life to break you. That's what he's trying to do. You're, you're tough like Peter. I, gotta, I can handle myself. 
God says, I'm going to let things happen so that you can be broken. And when you're broken, it is then that you can hear the word of the Lord. Beloved, you know what hearing the word of the Lord is. The Bible says the word is life. Isn't that right? It is when we hear that word, that revival begins to take place. You know what happens in the same vision? It says in verse 5, thus say the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied and as I was commanded and as I was as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a shaking and bone came together to bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath. Beloved, you know how I see this valley of broken bones? It's, it's kind of like united brokenness. You're going to make me get excited all alone. United brokenness. Could it be that God is waiting for his church to be broken unitedly? United prayer, anyone? Is it not prayer and confession that breaks us? That, that, that we come here with this kind of, you know, mm, how many of you experience it? Come on. Mm, they're not going to make me cry. No way. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and you go and you find yourself beginning to pray. And the more you pray is the more you begin to come face to face with your failures and your denials and your shameful denials of Christ. And suddenly you find yourself breaking down. And God says, praise God, that, that's good for you, my son. Uh, that's good for you over there. But you know what? God is looking for a valley of dry bones. So yes, it is powerful when I pray by myself and I'm broken by myself and all. But beloved, it is, it is, it is that much more powerful when we have a valley. You know, can you imagine the vision? I was taken into this valley and I saw a dry bone. It kind of loses its dramaticness, you know? Maybe he wouldn't even recognize, oh, what is that over there? Oh, uh, oh, it looks like a dry bone over there. No, 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 this vision has a valley full of dry bones. Come on, I imagine God's people, they're walking by, oh, look at, look at those valley dry bones over there. <laughs> Glad that's not me. Oh, Lord, help me to confess that I am a dry bone. Let me not be like Peter. Not me, Lord. No, no, no. Let me be. Let me be a dry bone. The Bible says that bone came together to bone. God is looking for us to come together. And the Bible says that when they came together, by the way, you know what's interesting? Jesus spoke to the disciples for three and a half years. Did they hear him? No. It was not until after they were broken. So, what did that upper room look like? It was a valley of dry bones. 
people broken. Broken at their failure of their Lord and Master. Broken that they had so disappointed him. Broken and yet hopeful. Because they knew these bones can indeed live again. Otherwise, God, Jesus would not have told us to tarry in Jerusalem. And beloved, as these bones come together to confess their brokenness, something happens. Bone begins to come to bone. <laughs> Connections. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you either. <laughs> Things began to connect. And the body of Christ begins to form. Can I tell you something? Iona, powerful ministry. Amazing facts. Another powerful but separate ministry. Power of the Lamb, powerful, separate ministry. Army, powerful, separate ministry. GYC, powerful, separate. Oh, let me, let me read. Powerful bone. <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah, we've got all these powerful bones all over the place. But what in the world would happen if bone began to connect to bone? But beloved, in order for bone to connect to bone, see, strong, healthy bones, no, we got to be dry bones if we want to get connected. We've got to be humble bones if we want to get. We've got to be broken bones. We've got to realize, hey, you know, I by myself cannot form the body. I'm just a bone. What would happen if God's church actually humbled themselves and united in prayer, united in ministry, united in the work, said we're going to come together and every one of us is going to be employed, not the pastor, but each one of us in this church is a bone. What would happen to the unemployment rate in God's church? Verse 9, then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these who slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as, I com as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up on their feet, <laughs> an exceeding Great army. Can you see it on the day of Pentecost? Broken bones coming together, forming the body of Christ, the spirit like a mighty rushing breath. giving life to the church. Amen. 
That was the early rain. Do you want the latter rain? That's God's stimulus plan. I want to pour out the latter rain on you. When I pour out the latter rain on you, something's going to happen in this church that turns the world upside down. Every member will be at work. There will be no unemployment. (coughs) But beloved, we have to become broken. I want to make an appeal. You're going to leave this place today. You're excited. You are happy. Wow, look at all that I've learned. Amen, praise God, and all of that. But beloved, what are you going to do when you go home? What are you going to do when you go home? Some of you are afraid to go back home. You're afraid to go back home? I'm afraid of what I'm going to face. I'm in a church that, that, that maybe is not doing all that I'd, that I'd like them to do or, or I've got family or friends that, that are going to challenge me. Lord, help me that I will not be like Peter and say I know not the man. Lord, I know that if I want to be revived, I first got to be fully broken. Your desire today is, Lord, help me to acknowledge myself as a dry bone. You know, one way or the other, we're going to be broken. You can either voluntarily be broken. Yes, Lord, I acknowledge my sinfulness. I acknowledge my shameful denials of you. Lord, I acknowledge it. Or you can refuse to be broken and be broken at the end of time. Some of you may have came today tough, hard. Now you're saying, Lord, I need you to break me. If that's your desire, I want to ask you to come to the front. I want to pray for you. Lord, I want to be broken. I want to be broken. Those of you who can come up on the stage, come up on the stage. I want to be broken. Lord, get rid of my pride, my self-sufficiency. Lord, break me, please. Lord, teach me that I am only part of the body. Teach me, Lord, to be a worker with you. Lord, I want to be part of an army of workers. Forgive me, Lord, for my welfare mentality of wanting to collect the check of everlasting life while refusing to do the work. Bow your heads with me. Will every bone grab a bone? Heavenly Father, Here we are, a valley of dried bones. Lord, we acknowledge that we have failed you. We acknowledge, Lord, that in our self-sufficiency, in our overestimation of ourselves, we have fallen short of your glory. Lord, like Peter, we have denied you. And Father, at, at times we lose count of how many times we have heard the cock crow. 
And yet, Lord, we cry out today, can these bones live? Lord, can you <coughs> revive us? Can you bring us to the place that we should have been? Can the time be redeemed? Oh, Lord, there is nothing more that the enemy of souls would love than to stop the breath from falling upon your church. Lord, you have shown us this day that the problem that before your stimulus plan can go into effect, we must acknowledge that there is a spiritual economic crisis. We think we are rich, but the money is not in the bank. Please, Lord, help us to come face to face with our accounts. Lord, that we might truly be broken. Lord, we fear more looking at our literal bank accounts and having nothing in it than we do realizing we are spiritually deficient. Lord, give us that same urgency that we would have if we ever went to our bank accounts and found nothing in them. Lord, how many of us would fall on our knees then, knowing that there is not green paper in a building somewhere? Yet, Lord, we will not fall on our knees, knowing that we are spiritually bankrupt. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to acknowledge our brokenness so that you might speak life into these dry bones. And Lord, we, we, we pray that bone will come together to bone. Lord, that we would cease the division the separations, the schisms in the body of Christ. Lord, join bone together to bone because then the world will look and see the body, the flesh of Christ. Amen. And yet, Lord, we know that it is not enough for bone to be connected to bone. And even for flesh to be brought over us because while we may look <coughs> like Christ, if we have no life in us, then we are nothing but dead men's bones inside. So Lord, like you bent down over Adam, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. As you bow down over those disciples on the day of Pentecost, after having brought bone to bone <coughs> and flesh out of the dust of their humiliation, as you bow down and breathed into them the breath of life, so now we pray, Lord, come close to us and breathe into us the breath of life. Lord, that we may no longer be found sleeping, but rather standing on our feet, 
A great army. An army of workers. Refusing to be unemployed. To go about the work. of bringing in your harvest. We thank you, Lord, for what you are about to do. May the revival that has taken place here spread throughout your church. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.